Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefo Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And it's time for another fiction piece. I'm not sure how. I guess January just got all booked up. But uh, this is happening in February. There was no fiction piece in January. Apologies. (laughs) (laughs) If that upsets you. And as always, I only put this in here not because anyone has like thrown up a stink, as they say. But I know some people aren't super into like sound effects and fiction. This is a once a month thing. If it's not your thing, that's okay. Uh, it's not going to overtake our content. We produce a lot of stuff. We do. I was going to say, we have five other options a week. Yeah, So I think we're good. Also, uh, I told you you need to go watch Archive 81. I have heard this. Well, and the reason I say this is because I feel like, isn't I think that might be the first I've seen. Now, to be fair, there's probably others. But the first podcast to be turned into a series. And my partner and I binged it all. We really did like it. I think this could be right up that alley. These little little tales of ours. I'm just saying. I like these little tales of ours. I like that. Of yours Um, more so than mine. But you know, I'm just saying. Like that's this is the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, numerous people have told me about Archive 81, which is based on a podcast. I believe lore on Amazon Prime is oh, also yes, based on a podcast. Oh, yes, the lore does it. It's not the same, though. So the lore is just essentially they're voicing over like sure, animated. Like a, yeah, yeah, as where Archive 81 is an actual like fictionalized series where mm. they aren't... Like there is a podcast character, which I do love, by the way, mm-hmm. but... It's not as read as a documentary or anything. It's literally a show show. Uh, found footage type of horror show. Ooh. Yes. I really think you would like it. You need to watch it. I know you don't do series as much, mm-hmm. but I think you should definitely take a try because they did a great job. Uh, and, and the creator is a woman and she took it from the podcast. And so, I don't know. I have, I have great hopes for these fiction pieces. Okay. Oh, I did get some, I got some contacts from probably cold call emails. They were like, we noticed you're doing fiction on Sminty now. (laughs) Would you like to get an agent? And I was like, is this legit? I don't know. But yes, I, uh, our friend and coworker, Ben Bolin from Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. My nemesis. A bunch of other stuff. Yes. Most importantly, Samantha's nemesis. Um, <laughs> I've established this now. He said it on his show, so I can say it on this show for, again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm 100% behind this. Yes. Uh, he also said I should watch it. And I texted back and said, I, for one, am finally grateful to be able to, well, actually, that's not how podcasting works. Because <laughs> we've had a couple. Like, we got Sex yeah. and City. And we've like had that. a well, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, I can finally, there's like three times I, I can do that in, yes. in entertainment I've consumed. And that's, I mean, that's looking up. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Okay. <laughs> I think so. Although it does kind of play into the joke that everybody has a podcast now. All right. Well, this fiction piece in classic Sminty fashion, as we're entering February and this month of, of love, of Valentine's Day, I wanted to bring up this fiction piece that I wrote that is kind of a messed up romantic story. I would 
say it's very dysfunctional and unhealthy. Uh, <laughs> so happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. However, I was discussing with Ben Bolin the other day, and he was like, what fiction do you like to write? And I think I finally came to terms with, as much as I have said I don't read or write romance, I think I kind of do. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think it's just not not what I would call like the rom-com type or it's not like the main thing. But I do. And this piece is kind of a, it's messed up, but it's a little romance piece. <laughs> nice. Yes. Well, with this in mind, Samantha, I know we've talked before, you and I have shared a Valentine's Day together and it was a bit of a fiasco <laughs> in, in Los Angeles right before the the pandemic really was known how severe it was. Uh, we had a Valentine's Day together. Have you ever had like a good, I don't know, romantic Valentine's Day? One that was successful? The only thing I could think of was, is, I think it was like the fifth grade, maybe? Trying to remember when this was, maybe fourth grade, where I made sure to have a boyfriend at that point in time so that Mm -hmm. we can give each other gifts. I found some things, like little, you know, those little hearts that split. Yes. Uh-huh. But there were pencils and the erasers of the word split. So red like okay. heart. I gave him one of those and he got me a little teddy bear with a balloon that was delivered to me. Ooh. I think this is the fourth grade. Delivered to me as a big show. I was very excited. So Aww. there, that, that one. Sure. And then I broke up with him two days later. <laughs> I mean, that's the way I'm of I'm sorry, those. Matthew. <laughs> That's the way of those young romances, though, I tell you. <laughs> You're like, I like this piece of candy you have two days later. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> I don't think we're going to work out here. No, it didn't. I had, I think I told the story once. I had a really good one in high school where nowadays I'm not so, I still have my moments, but I'm not so self-conscious about being alone on Valentine's Day, but I used to be. And when I, in high school, I was. And on this day, our school did this thing where you could get, there were two types of roses you could buy, a oh, white yeah, one and yeah. a red one. And the red one was supposed to be like love. And the, uh, the white one was like anonymous, but kind of assumed to be friends. And my friends just went all out and sent me all of these roses. Like all, the, all throughout the day, I was just getting roses and roses and roses from Anonymous, but it was them. Aww, and it was so cute. sweet. And then I've had, I've had a good share of like fun friend hangouts on Valentine's Day. As I said, I've dated a lot of dudes who were born on Valentine's Day. So that was weird because you kind of had to balance the birthday and the Valentine's Day. But I did have a good one with my ex-boyfriend, my most recent ex-boyfriend, where he kind of surprised me. We said we weren't really going to do anything, and we didn't, but he he wrote this, like, really nice letter um, and got me a small gift. And it, I don't know, it was just very sweet. There wasn't, like, expectation. Like, a lot of times there's this expectation with a lot of it that I dread. But that was just sweet that he did that. And then I'd also gotten him a small thing and... I liked it. It was a, had a good day. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that we've talked about those good experiences. Oh, no. Let's talk about a terrible one and get into this fiction piece. And then we'll come back after to discuss. But please enjoy. 
Most people spend their lives wondering how their lives will end. I don't. I know exactly how I die. It's her. The one I created. Of all the threats I've faced in my life, all of the nightmares I've seen, she is what keeps me up at night. She's what haunts me. I have never feared anything like I fear her. And after what I've done to her, the role I've played in her creation, I have no doubt in my mind she will be the one that kills me. She's my grim reaper waiting at the door. After all, what would I do if I was her? Would I forgive? Forget? No. No, I wouldn't. And that's what terrifies me. When we made her, in all of our hubris, our goal was to make something malleable, a weapon, lacking in what fundamentally makes us human, less than. We failed, perhaps more than any of us have ever realized. She was more than any of us. We made a mistake trying to play God. We created something out of our power to control. Something we weren't ready for. We tried to terminate her, labeling her a failed experiment. It wasn't fair, but it was the only way. That's how we justified it to ourselves. Anyway, we failed in that attempt too. But she hasn't forgotten. She hasn't forgiven. One by one, she's executed us. All involved in her creation and subsequent experimentation. Shadow in the night. We called it experimentation. We were scientists. She wasn't human. She was something, something else. But it was torture. Yeah. We took her blood against her will. For years, we imprisoned her, monitored her as she grew more powerful. She could do things, things we'd never imagined. Being around her, it was immediately apparent that something was off about her, despite the fact she looked perfectly normal if not blurred around the edges. Like she was vibrating outside the spectrum of what the human eye can interpret. She made your hair stand up as though a predator was stalking you. She'd smile this cold smile and look away from you seeing something you couldn't and look back. Her eyes piercing in a way that was terribly unsettling. I was tasked with the psych evaluations every day, sometimes twice a day. I got to know her. The scientist in me marveled that she would have personality at all. She'd never left the glass cage we imprisoned her in, her field of vision all white, only occasionally stained crimson with her own blood. She'd only interacted with project members, most of whom only brought pain. But. She was surprisingly full 
alternately angry and kind and funny and manipulative and terrifying. The project name was Genesis. So that's what we called her. She insisted on it in our interviews and since I wanted her to answer my questions, I acquiesced. I remember the day I realized as tense as these meetings often were, I looked forward to them. I liked Genesis. This was not a good realization to have. It made sense, I consoled myself. But still, I felt shame, as though I'd tarnished my scientific integrity. So I kept this to myself. It made watching how he treated her all the more difficult. Once, some higher-up government officials with top security clearances came to see the progress we were making. They observed one of my evaluations, towering behind me, spines ramrod straight, frowns on their faces, disapproval clear. Genesis certainly didn't look the picture of a super soldier. Even when answering my questions, even when I requested she look at me, Genesis kept her unnerving eyes fixed on them through the glass. Abruptly, she stood and I jumped back and she started laughing. A wild, unhinged sound that immediately brought goosebumps to my skin. My blood like ice in my veins. Sometimes I can still hear that laugh. I've never been so scared of my life. She stopped just as abruptly as she started. A beat of silence passed, all of us watching her, the moment unpredictable and practically alive. Fear. You feel fear. So afraid of what you've done, of what you've created. She smiled, the declaration brimming with danger and dark confidence. She reveled in the fear, basked in it. She grew more powerful in front of our eyes, energized by the fear we held for her. And in that moment, I felt like we were at her mercy, not the other way around. It wasn't long after she was deemed too unstable, uncontrollable. We were ordered to salvage what we could and terminate her and murder her. It ate at my stomach, corrosive, gnawing, keeping me awake at night. I kept seeing her face staring at me, silent, that small, cold, knowing smile on her face. I knew her better than anyone. Though no one had told her about her pending execution, she knew. Genesis knew we were planning on ending the experiment, on ending her life. And she just smiled at me, patient, Unafraid, I had one final session with her, one that felt more like I was interrogating myself, her very existence asking me a question, demanding answers. Terror pumped through me, and I crumpled under her steady, watchful gaze. What a waste. What right did we have to kill such a majestic being because she was more than us? Because we were afraid. Did responsibility call for us to kill her or to protect her? To set her free? There was 
were so many words I wanted to say, but they all caught in my throat. I loved her. I realized with the detached air of a scientist making an observation. But there was nothing I could do. She would die, and this world would be safer, but lesser, without her, as would I. The day before her scheduled execution, she escaped, vanished, almost as though she'd been waiting, as though she wanted to pass judgment on everyone before she left to get the size of us, discern if there was anyone she would spare. The answer she arrived at was apparently no one. In the weeks after she escaped, she left the corpses of project members in her wake. Bodies violently torn apart, eyes wide, unseeing with terror. The last thing they saw that of the vengeful being of their creation. Creation is an act of destruction, as they say. She left no sign, but I knew it was her. Annihilating us. It was strange. I lived in fear waiting for my turn an unwilling member of a death pact, all of us connected by what we'd done. I also wanted to see her again. Just one more time. Even if it meant my life was over, the guilt ate away at me, almost a presence in and of itself, pressing down on my shoulders. Sometimes I say her name at night when I can't sleep. I whisper it in the dark, like a prayer hoping she'll hear me. Genesis. 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 I think about that last interview often. All the things I wish I'd said. I wish I had told her how much she meant in all of her flaws. Because of them. She was beautiful. Truly magnificent. So full of life, of anger, of hate, of love. So, so much. Not because we made her that way, but in spite of us. A lot of her was dark and messy. I don't deny it. But I loved her. I loved her. It doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. I loved her anyway. Trying to reach her was like trying to reach someone on the other side of a ravine. Even when she was right next to me, an entire universe separated us, forcing me to shout, shout swallowed in devouring silence. She was standing next to me in worlds away. There was a strength she had that I will never know. I'm not sure I want to, because hers came with a self-destructive bent that is devastating in its dominance. She is the most powerful being in existence, but a shadow in the face of her own self-hatred. A self-hatred we cultivated. She was hated, but she was loved. We abused her, but I loved her. I don't know why we mistreat the ones we care about. Perhaps none of us are worthy, but she was the one who could not bear that. It didn't square for her. She was more than I could have ever hoped for. More than I could have ever imagined. I want to scream until my lungs burst and punch a wall until my knuckles break. All of this is endless. 
She's the mother of the new era. The end of our current one is of our own manufacturing. Our creation, both through our original sin and our continued unintentional molding. We were observing her, but she was also observing us. We did not deserve mercy in her eyes. We did not create a merciful God, but a vengeful one. Now I wait for my turn, for the one I love to kill me. A poetic end, one a morbid part of me eagerly awaits. Soon she'll come for me, and one day she'll come for you. That brings us to the end of this fiction. As usual, I just really like going over the top. I really love, <laughs> I love like over dramatic. I like, I know you and I have talked about this and we kind of bonded over this. I like a good line. You know what I mean? Like right. a good line or a good title. And maybe that's the only thing that's the standing up. <laughs> but I love it. So this one, I really liked the idea of somebody waiting, like knowing this is how I'm going to die and waiting for that peace, but being in love with this person that's going to kill them. Yes, it's very unhealthy and very dysfunctional. But also, like I have written a lot of things like this, and I know this is a piece of criticism, especially when it comes to women characters, of sort of the scientist or journalist or what have you character that's telling the story, who is a woman, who is people think uh, portrayed as like more emotional, like becomes in love with their subject. I have thought about that a lot because as I said, I do write things like this kind of frequently. I see the criticism, but I'm also kind of like, I feel like male characters do that a lot too, but perhaps we just don't see the inverse. I do appreciate that that is a not great exercising of professionalism at your job. Um, but I don't know I've just been thinking about that because I have seen that criticism I do think it's a fair criticism but I think there's also more more to it than that and I know also when it comes to this piece has one of my favorite anti-heroines I've ever written and she's kind of expounded hopefully we'll get to those fictional pieces one day but I think we could really talk about the anti-heroine and how she's viewed to the anti-hero, like compared to the anti-hero. As I said, when we were talking about revenge, I think it's in an episode coming up, but maybe you've already heard it. Uh, we're revisited The Last of Us 2 again. I just feel like we're much more ready to root for an anti-hero, like a male anti-hero than a female one. Um, I think we're much more ready to punish or just like not even get behind. I don't even know if punish is the right word, but like, I don't like what she's doing (laughs) compared to like male characters where we're like, oh, yeah, what's his name from Breaking Bad? You go get him. He's the one that knocks. I don't know. I think we should come back and revisit that. Absolutely. Yes. Well, in the meantime, (laughs) uh, 
happy Valentine's Day. You're celebrating happy it. Happy anti-Valentine's Day? How about that? Is that more well, Yeah. Happy whatever you're celebrating or not celebrating. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this fiction piece. If you have any suggestions or ideas for things that we could uh, try on the show or topics we should cover, please let us know. You can email us at stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.